Welcome back to episode 47 of Establish the Collection. It is our Leroy ETN episode, episode 47. <laughs> Gary, do, Gary, do you know who Leroy ETN is? I don't. You, you quick it, Google him while, it, while, uh, while I finish our intro here because I didn't want to derail the show too much, but you hijacked the show last week. so I gotcha. I'm, I gotcha. I'm We're, hijacking I, I, the show back. If you gave me odds, I would have guessed Nebraska football. Um, okay, okay. So there we go. Looks like uh, 1988. Yep. Best player to don the 47 for my Nebraska Cornhuskers linebacker from 1985 to 1988. Uh, sorry to completely get us off track here, but uh, of course, I am your host, Cody Main, joined as always by Gary Hartman. We're catching Gary on a Friday afternoon before he plans to leave the country, leave us for a couple of weeks. First of all, Gary, very excited for you and your lovely bride getting to take some time away now that basketball season has officially wrapped up. Buddy, how are, how are things going today? Yeah, good run out for me. Um, you know, we're recording this on Friday, the day after the NBA Finals wrapped. I was praying it would end in six games, because <laughs> if not, I was going to be up at 2 a.m. in Spain watching Game 7, um, which I'm glad I don't have to do. Uh, so, yeah, all good here. I like our Leroy Etienne episode. I, I The only person I could think of was Andre Karolinko, um, former, I guess, NBA All-Star. But, you know, uh, no offense to any Russian fans of this show. I don't think we should give Russia its fair due as far as naming episodes after them right now with everything going on in Ukraine. Uh, I like Leroy Etienne for our 47. Uh, a fair take. With with, uh, <laughs> with the NBA Finals wrapped up, buddy, why don't we just dive right into what that means for some of these guys that we just saw on the court? Uh, the obvious ones, why don't we just get those out of the way first and foremost? Steph Curry finally gets one. Um, you know, I say finally gets one after Kevin Durant leaves uh, with this iteration of the team, as we had, had talked about on previous episodes, this is actually meaningful for him. And like Steph didn't need to do anything to add to his legacy. One of the best point guards of all time. Um, probably now I, I hate doing these conversations, but probably now in the top 10 uh, consideration, greatest shooter of all time was, was already a given. Didn't matter what he did uh, this postseason. but man, like, this run with this version of this team, with some of the the games that Clay and Draymond had, which you know we can get into, uh, he really carried this team. Uh, and along with another guy uh, who played really well in this series uh, against the Celtics, what what does this what does this series and this ring mean for Steph Curry, Steph Curry's card market and his legacy? Well, you say finally gets one, and he did finally get his Finals MVP. So um, that's right. That's probably right. pretty preposterous that he hadn't up to this yeah. point. I mean, especially the Andre Iguodala Award. I think people were enamored with him. Uh, you know, you could say trying to shut down LeBron. LeBron still had 30 points a game in that series, whatever. Um, but, you know, it's a one more piece of hardware that he didn't have that just basically, as you mentioned, top 10. I mean, you know, we don't need to get into that kind of stuff right now. I think it's pretty hard to leave him out that top 10, top 12 at this point. Four rings. We talked about this a little bit, um, you know, brings him into new territory. Uh, so all of him, Draymond, Iguodala, and Clay just got their fourth ring. Obviously, Steph is the um, you know center, uh, uh, you know the, the the universe in which that Warriors team orbits around, and you know that puts him on with LeBron. It puts him on with Shaq in that four ring territory. Not quite at five with uh, Magic and you know Duncan and Kobe yet, but I don't think it's out of the possibility that he gets there. I mean, not at all. Four rings in eight years now for Golden State, and what they just proved this year is this dynasty is not done, my friend. It is not done. And if anything, it's reinvigorated. Um, you know, Clay, I, I think we can expect to see come back uh, looking even better next year as he finally gets his sea legs back under him. Obviously, he wasn't as efficient, but, you know, was pretty big in, in the finals. Draymond, 
uh, was up and down in this playoffs, but the last two games looked fantastic. And then when you just take into the account that Jordan Poole is a budding star, um, Andrew Wiggins, we'll talk about him. I think he deserves the most attention here, uh, but really finally taking that step to what made him the number one overall pick in 2013 and, and really just excellent, excellent series. And, you know, the sky's the limit for what he could be as long as he stays on this team. And then obviously some other young talent like Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody and guys that are and James Wiseman still, you know, somewhere around just yeah. guys that will be able to shuffle into this mix, you know, five, six, not out of the ring, not out of the realm of possibility for Steph. We've spoken ad nauseum about his, cemented legacy especially from a hobby perspective and then we're gonna let second half of this pod we're gonna talk kind of macro uh view of the market right now but if there was any person that i'd feel comfortable keeping your money in even as uh the card industry struggles the economy struggles as a whole it's steph curry who does find his you know base uh tops psa 10 up over the last three months almost 29 percent, which is kind of crazy to think about i mean was all the way down to almost a seven thousand dollar card at the beginning of may now only a pop of 365, not going to find it for under 10 grand now. So that's a, that's going to be consistently cemented as a five-figure card, I think, no matter how you shake things out, up 20% over the last two weeks on four sales. So no, not no data, uh, definitely some data, not yeah. surprised, you know, big, big money, big stuff for Steph. Obviously, really encouraging stuff. And the, the macro stuff at the end of this podcast, I hope you guys stick around for it and hope you guys get a lot of value out of it because I think Gary obviously is especially uniquely qualified to talk about this stuff. But I think the most encouraging thing here from a micro standpoint on looking at Steph stuff is uh, you can see that collectors from all price ranges want to get their hands on Steph stuff just based off of prices over the last month. I mean, you look at his his 2009 Panini base uh, in, in a BGS 9.5. That card is up over 100% uh, over the last month, um, you know, some of the stuff at the lower range, that's, I mean, that's a $799 card. Now his 2009 prestige base in a PSA nine up 54% as a $279 card, his 2019 prism silver in a PSA 10 up 50%. Like all of this stuff just goes to show that a, uh, you know, on court on field performance and achievements and, and legacy building type things still matter for card prices, which is something that's obviously encouraging for us are trying to prognosticate those things but yeah the market might be down uh stocks might be down crypto might be down nfts might be down we might all be uh scrambling to figure to find a place to put our money but we're still finding these edges where hard prices are, are continuing to improve on certain guys and at all price ranges so i think that's the most encouraging takeaway for me looking at steph curry's market after you know obviously not a whole lot of sales data after the finals win but just with this run over the last couple of weeks yeah and i i'll, I'll give one like what one card I like if you are trying to buy the dip overall as a card in the card market and you want that to be in the form of of Steph Curry obviously we talk about kind of his grail cards are never going really down and, mm -hmm. and in this case they're going to go up and stuff that's super rarity will probably stay stagnant but I like you know still 2012 prism um first prism class you know I think his base in a PSA 10 it's the pop's still under 600 so you know we talk about base that's one of the few classes that I think I'm okay investing in but because it is a base card and because it is not, you know, not, not as rookie, just as first prism, you are seeing that kind of take the hits of the market as well down about 15% over the last uh, two weeks, 6% over the last month, but that card's not dipped under $300, which to me at a 598 pop, when the market does recover, I don't know if it's going to be a year, two years, whenever the economy is in a healthier spot, that would be the kind of card that immediately jumps back up. I mean, those mm -hmm. are the kind of cards that we saw have huge ceilings. Uh, even in a base, obviously, you know, silvers and things like that, but have really, really high ceilings, uh, you know, a year ago, um, maybe two years ago, right? So I think that 
that's the kind of card that I would be looking at if you're looking to buy the dip on a Steph Curry. But yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to just kind of hold hold any Steph. That you All right, know. another guy from that uh, that was a rookie in that 2012 class, Clay Thompson. Um, the lim- very limited sales data on Clay actually, even recently. And, and in fact, the only card that has shown a positive change over the last month is is uh, 2018 Kaboom and a PSA 10 is up nine percent. What is what does this finals mean for Clay Thompson and his market? Is he a buy for you at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think Clay's a super interesting guy because the approval rating on Clay is is as high as you get, maybe yeah. alongside alongside Steph. I mean, he's going to be first ballot Hall of Famer with the chance to add to his legacy here over the next couple of years. Four rings, I think. Honestly, even just after this season, he probably would have cracked that top seventy-five all-time list now with this extra ring and him coming back from this injury. So, you know, probably when it's all said and done, going to be top 50, 60 player in league history one of the top three or four shooters of all time. So I've always been bullish on clay as a buy. Um, I think that anything you find that's super rare from clay is going to remain pretty, pretty uh, high end. I think yeah. so like a silver 2012 prism, for example, I think be, you know, something that is, is pretty hard uh, to find in any, like there's no sales that on there, right? It's only a pop of 24 uh, card, va- card ladder values it at a PSA 10 at, Forty six, forty six hundred dollars. I would think it's way higher than that. I think if one went up market right now, that goes for like seven, eight, right now. Just because there's no, there's no, there's no data really um, on that. There's been one sale over the last year, and that's what they're basing it off of. It was almost five grand. So yeah. I think now that with this other title and with him back, uh, that sale was all the way back. Uh, I guess in August was in April, but you know. So I think you know anything like that for Clay, I think is super safe. I think you know again similar thing like his base PSA ten. I have a couple of those pops under a thousand. It's it's almost double the pop of uh, or like forty percent more than the pop of Steph because that is his true rookie. Don't mind it because again like the, the the type of base you're getting from twenty twelve is not the same type of base of ultra modern. So yeah, I think those are interesting buys. I think it would flatten out here in the off season. Um, you know, right around that $300, 290 to 330 value on that card. And I think that's a fine place to hold some of your money. I don't think it's ever going to take any massive dive. So it's more of a safe piece for me is, is Clay. I think the conversation's almost the same for the other guy, the other part of this big three on this team, that same class, 2012 Prism for Draymond Green. Um, I, I'm looking at card letter. I actually don't see a PSA 10 in his Prism Silver, PSA 9, uh, valued right now at a thousand dollars last sold in t- October 2020 so just extremely low pop count and I think to to your point on that stuff this higher end stuff for these Warriors guys especially uh, these big three which includes Draymond anyone that actually wants to collect Warriors stuff is going to have a, a hard time getting their hands on Draymond and Clay stuff and I think that that's going to keep prices up when there's actually interest from true collectors uh, along with the investing side of it as well so uh, I don't think the conversation changes much for Clay. I guess the price point might be a little bit different. Equally hard to get your hands on this stuff with such low pop counts. And the one thing with Draymond, like Draymond's going to stay relevant well past his playing days. Yep. And although the approval rating isn't there, the fact that he's such a, a device, I guess divisive maybe isn't the right term, um, uh, but a guy that well, polarizing are, polarizing is the right term that I was that I was looking for. Uh, such a polarizing guy. Uh, I think that that's going to keep his market relatively stable as well although at, at lower price points yeah and also the other thing we should mention here and the reason that the high-end stuff is really really safe for this you know big three uh you know dynasty of, of this big three is there is now like there are there are major just collectors of this dynasty out there and guys that want to scoop up any kind of patch auto high-end refractors high-end rookies of any of these three guys wherever they can get it. you can throw an andre Godal in there like these guys that have been around for all four of these rings 
these guys want all of that high-end stuff and there are real warriors collectors out there so you'll never have a hard time selling off any of that stuff so if you happen to have something like a draymond national treasures patch auto clay anything like that i think you're fine you want to sell it you'll be able to make your money um i think that these are also again as opposed to someone like the ultra modern guys and even someone like jason tatum who we'll talk about on the other side i think these types of just two three hundred dollar base prism rookie stuff is a really safe place just to hold your money if you want to do it i don't think it's ever going to dive to one i don't think a dream on rookie yeah. is ever diving to 100 bucks i think it's going to stay between 180 and 250 and that's right. fine right it's like uh it's it's just a much safer place to to put your money like throwing your money into like a cd instead of uh you know full-on individual stocks i think right. is kind of what you're looking at with these uh you know 300 base psa 10 of draymond clay type cards so uh don't don't mind it pops are low good great hall of fame players you know interesting guys all right let's talk the last guy the most interesting guy of this iteration of the warriors team was not a member of the dynasty uh has had a rocky career but has seemingly seemingly found himself not just with the warriors but especially in this finals was an absolute baller uh, and the, the post-game stuff with him in the locker room with Jordan Poole and, and those guys was really awesome to see. Fantastic. Uh, really happy for one Andrew Wiggins. You've got him pegged as the most interesting name to talk about from a hobby perspective. Why don't you take it from there? Why why is Andrew Wiggins such an interesting name for you right now? Not even close. This is by far the most interesting case uh, in the hobby in a while, actually. And and if the if the if the economy wasn't in such a crappy spot as it is right now, I mean I think we'd see his stuff soaring even higher, but it's soaring yeah. pretty high. As high as it's been since those, you know, maybe second, third year when people were still speculating really high on Andrew Wiggins. But let's not forget, this was one of the biggest prospects of the last 10 to 12 years. I mean, coming out, people thought he was a, a sure thing out of Kansas in his rookie year, Canadian kid. Na one of those names that was on the radar for years. So he was drafted in uh, 2014 first overall. But I mean, we've been talking about Andrew Wiggins since like 2011 as like this phenom coming out of Canada. And for the first seven years of his career, I guess, at this point, pretty largely disappointing. I mean, complete bust to, to, to not, you know, he was, he was hanging around. He got paid because he was able to score. He's a professional scorer. But the one thing people thought about him coming out was sure thing on the defensive end did not show that, um, you know, athlete that will just kind of jump off the floor was very good athletic athletic wise, but didn't kind of take it to what we've seen out of Anthony Edwards in his first couple of years, where it's going to like actually catapult him into the conversation night in and night out. And just didn't necessarily have kind of the fuck you attitude that you needed to to make that, you know, athleticism pop. Yet gets traded to Golden State and what is going to go down as one of the best trades of all time. I mean, basically, yeah. D'Angelo Russell and James Wiseman uh, are, uh, you know, Jonathan Kamingo, actually, which is yeah, insane, right. even, even better um, for, for, for Andrew Wiggins, who was the unsung hero of this series. If it was not for Steph Curry, he would have been in the MVP. I mean, set his career high in rebounds twice in this series, was an, a menace on the defensive end, guarding Jason Tatum every night, hit threes, looked like the player that we we expected him to be for his whole career, which is a two-way superstar. Honestly, you played like a superstar. Here's what we can't forget. He's only 27. Only 27. It's crazy. He's only 27. He was on a crappy Minnesota Timberwolves team for a lot of his career. I don't, I don't think he had the right motivation around him. I don't think him playing with Carl Anthony Towns is a good combination. I don't think him when it was when it was Ryan Saunders there was necessarily good. I don't even think he's the kind of guy to thrive under Tibbs. So it takes him getting to Steve Kerr, Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, and this foundation to bring out the best in him. Now he knows what it takes to win. He knows what it's like to be a champion. I don't think they're going to let him go. Kind of step into that KD spot on this team. I, I, I think the sky's the limit now for him, and he still should have another 12, 13 years in his career. I mean, 
you don't see this that much where it's like a true, true late bloomer, but I think that's what we have here. And, you know, this was someone that people lost a lot of money on in the market that if you were able to kind of stay, stay tight, I think you're going to have a chance to make it back, especially as the economy recovers a little bit here. So let's just look at his, you know, base PSA 10 out of 2014, another class that did not have super high pops that pops under 900, uh, altogether, uh, still only valued at a $92 card. I think that's low now. I'm sure all these sales over the next couple of days are yeah. going to be over a hundred bucks. Uh, but you know, we're still seeing over the last, uh, three months of growth of 117%. I sold, uh, this week, a patch auto out of 2019, 20 immaculate, which was his first warriors card, uh, out of 15 for like $400. So I think like some of your patch auto stuff on him is going to be really high. I'm seeing a lot of Wiggins collectors come out of the woodwork here. Really interesting. Just a fascinating hobby case because somebody that was people were investing in so, so heavily, uh, you know, eight years ago is now finally reached maybe what we thought it could be and, and has a ring now on his finger. So yeah, it's really interesting. You could really run into a perfect scenario here where all those stars kind of do start to align where you had a heavy, heavy, a uh, slew of people who were investing in Wiggins in 2014, 2015, and maybe held on long enough to uh, to realize some of their gains now. But you also have the extremely low pop count on all of this stuff. Uh, looking ahead is silver in a PSA 10, which again, this, these prices are going to change drastically over the next five to seven days. I would imagine even in a down market, that silver PSA 10, $375 card last sold for $337. I mean, uh, it's got a pop count of 71 Right. Anyone that's wanting to get their hands on Wiggins stuff is going to have a hard time doing so. And you can't overstate the the change in situation and why that might be meaningful uh, for him going forward. 26, 27 year old kid is now under probably the best situation in the league after being under the one of the worst situations in the league. Not unreasonable to think that he kind of uses this as a stepping stone into the second or third stage of his career where he becomes, uh, you know, a true perennial guy that we're talking about and and remains hobby relevant for yeah. a long time to come. So I, I love that shout with, with Wiggins. I'm just looking at all the sales from last night. looks like people scooped up every single hundred dollar yeah. buy it now oh, PSA absolutely. 10 in the base. So we, you know, again, card ladder has that undervalued right now for at 94 it's, it'll be at least hundred, but it'll probably, I, I'm guessing all the ones will be ending over a hundred now for that base prism. Looks like people were buying up any kind of patch auto stuff they could buy. I see Kaboom went for 500 last night from 2015, uh, second year Kaboom. So I think that this stuff, obviously, that's going to play off the hype of just winning the championship. But, you know, again, let's see. I mean, I don't know if how long he'll be in Golden State. They have him under a max contract, I think, for a couple more years here. He could win another championship. I don't. He could take this right to the top. And then, again, we could see him kind of slide back if he ever kind of gets his own team again into what we saw from yeah. the first seven of years of his career. But usually you don't see things like that happen. He, obviously, the pedigree was there. Um, doesn't happen often, as I said, with the late bloomer, but only 27 I, I think it's fascinating. I'm not doing anything with Andrew Wiggins right now, so right, right. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say this. I just think it's a fascinating hobby case yeah. to talk about. And if you want to take your wins, if you were one of those guys that kind of just got stuck with the Andrew Wiggins bag for five years, um, you know, take take your outs right now. I have no problem that I sold off whatever. I, I I've never been an investor in Andrew Wiggins, but just from having a ton of cards, I sold off a lot of my Wiggins over last week and felt good about doing so. Um, Perfect. I, I, you know, I don't have much to add on Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman. If you want to just skip those guys, we can touch on those during the offseason episodes. Is there anything interesting to take away from those guys at this point, or should we just wait? Just Poole. I mean, we spoke about him a lot already. Um, his stuff has stayed pretty actually uh, strong throughout this run here. It wasn't that peak that we spoke about like a month ago. But, I mean, I saw a lot of base prism rookie raw last night for like 280 bucks. Wow. Like, it's just a bit – just like that – just like the base wow. signature is like, I have no idea if it'll grade at all. To me, that's like, 
a ninety dollar card. So I I feel like I'm yeah. I'm taking wins on pools still. I think that there's a lot of room for him to grow. I think he could be a really, really good player. So no problem if, if you're one of those people that were trying to invest in pool this season. Um, maybe you'll have a couple times during the offseason. But I think he's still a sell right now for me as as the hype kind of remains strong. He's been a really interesting hobby case as well. The obvious name to get to on the other side, a guy that we've talked about so often, just knocking on that doorstep of superstardom. Looked like he was right there, man. Had some, had some moments in, in the finals. Obviously had some moments throughout the playoffs where he looked – uh, otherworldly looked like gonna, we, he was going to be one of those true uh, elite guys, but kind of took a step back here in a little bit in the finals. And that's Jason Tatum, uh, you know, averaged 21, six and or 21, seven and seven had a good series, but it looked like he, he took a little bit of a backseat here, um, had some struggles there in game six. Anything to take away from this series with Tatum? Do you think collectors are going to start getting a little bit worried about this guy? Or do you think that he did enough um, throughout this postseason to warrant interest going forward? Obviously, it was super impressive that he was even able to get his team to where they were. Um, the Celtics team kind of took the all-star break, uh, took the time after the all-star break and, and surprised everyone, becoming the best team in the league for the majority of this run. That said, there's no doubt that he struggled in this series. Uh, had a couple decent games, but you know it didn't seem like the stage may have been a little too big for him. Uh, the Warriors, the experience, all that kind of stuff there. They're, they're reckless with the ball. Both him and Jalen Brown turned the ball over way too much. So there's a lot of room to grow if for one Jason Tatum he is you know not even joking about it. he's only 24 I believe uh so lots you know yeah he's, he's only 24 years old uh lots and lots of more opportunity probably coming Jason Tatum's way so if you kind of want to get into the dog days of the offseason and buy some Jason Tatum I don't have any problem with that but you're not getting any uh your sales opportunities are over he's been down actually during the finals he's even a silver uh PSA 10 is down 23 percent over the last two weeks I think people kind of read the way the series was going and reacted accordingly. Uh, not, you know, at, almost completely different than what we were just talking about with the Warriors guys, not interested in talking his base here that 2017. It's not the same kind of pops as, as Zion or Moran or people of the later years, but we're still talking like a 6,000 pop there. That would be a stay away for me uh, at the time, for the time being. You know, I, I hate to completely skip over the rest of this team, but we talked about Jalen Brown a little bit. Really hasn't gotten the hobby love yet to this point. I think there might be a little bit of an interesting discussion there, but there really aren't too many hobby names uh, to, to really discuss on this Celtics team. Anyone else you want to mention before we kind of move on to a little bit more macro discussion here? Yeah, no, not really. Jalen got exposed a little bit here. Uh, I still really believe in his talent. I just think it's. I think there's some lessons to be taken away from from Jalen Brown as far as the guy really can't handle. Um, so he's yeah. an excellent elite scorer, very good defender, but you know, when he puts the ball on the ground, it's trouble. And I think that people and GMs might take something from that as from a, kind of a second superstar, like, especially with the positionless basketball here, we want people that can really handle the ball. I wonder if that's going to affect him moving forward a little bit. I think on the right team, he could really keep budding as a star. And he is, he is a budding superstar also very young. Um, but you know, I, I would be fine, you know, during the, Again, the dog days of the offseason when it's just baseball out there. If you could find a silver Jalen, a patch auto Jalen for, you know, 10% under cops, 15% under cops, he's still the guy and a guy that I'd be fine buying. But I'm not, you know, going out of my way to run and buy Jalen right now because I don't necessarily think, and not, it's not because I don't believe in the town, but I don't think necessarily the hobby uh, and the NBA world is, you know, going to be talking and, and singing Jalen Brown's praises right now where you're going to be kind of having immediate delta there. So. Right, right, exactly. I think this is, you know, with, with with you going away for a couple of weeks, with basketball wrapping up, with football still a few months out, I think this is kind of a perfect 
time here to do just kind of a macro overview, overview a little bit of a reset. I know the last time we kind of talked uh, macro card market stuff was heading into this year and kind of our plans with with our collectibles investing heading into January of 2022. Things have shifted pretty drastically, I would say, uh, from just an, an overall economic standpoint. And you know, we're sports cards collectors, we're sports card investors. We've been dealing with the brunt of a bear market for a while now. Prices have definitely cooled for the better part of six months. So we're, we're no stranger to this, but we're starting to see this bear market hit stocks and crypto and NFTs, which had just been on a parabolic rise for a while. Obviously, inflation is out of control now. It doesn't really feel like there's a good spot to store your money. Uh, do you do you think that this uh, kind of this economic wave that we're dealing with, this bear market that we seem to be going into is going to have an even further impact on card prices or i mean we, like like i said we've been dealing with this for a few months now where, where everything seems to be cooling off except for certain high-end prices are we going to deal you know be in for uh, a long winter here with card prices cooling even more or are we are we kind of stabilizing a little bit yeah so i'm no economist um and and i don't think either of us would yeah would, uh, exactly would call it call each other experts on in the financial side of things um what but what does worry me is that we could be on the brink of a recession as a nation as a whole and i don't want to get into too much there i again i'm not an economist it, it, but it, you know you could read all the tea leaves um the inflation side of things really really is scary and as you mentioned right off the top here kind of finding a place to store your money in general is a hard thing right now usually when we see recessions in this country um or real downturns in the stock market things like gold go up and you know it, it, that's been historical even and while it is up a little bit right now gold uh and in an okay spot usually we see it take a complete higher uh road than this when interest rates are this high and things like that so um you know if even gold not doing as as strong as we would like to see it be doing right now uh clearly crypto hasn't been the thing that has been the alternative asset to kind of thrive while the market's down there's no reason to think sports cards would be either and that's kind of where we're at with cards that said i do think with the super super high-end stuff there's way worse places to store your money way yes. worse and i'm talking like grail like super safe like the steph curry stuff we were just talking about and even if you look at the card ladder 50 and i think we should talk about some of these indexes here in kind of a, a macro view um the card ladder 50 compared to the rest of uh the which is you know a nice view of kind of modern and vintage um is down nine percent this quarter compared to the stock market that's not as high as you know we we would see so i do think as far as a bottom is concerned of really really grail chase cards i think there's less of a bottom in those cards than there is in the stock market right now so i think that i just just generally i do think that's true i think your mid your mid-tier and your low-end cards are a real dangerous place to be those could bottom out for sure yeah. um and i don't think we've seen the bottom here because i don't think we've seen the bottom from an economic standpoint and that scares me as a whole um just taking a, a, a general look, uh, kind of overview. If you take a look, if you go to Card Ladder and you go to their indexes, you can do it by sport. Um, only three sports, pretty much, or four, I guess, are at either a positive or neutral spot right now over, I guess, what is over the last month. Uh, wrestling, because WWE Prism came out, I guess, and that's kind of establishing itself as a market, is up 1%. Golf is about neutral also makes sense more products come out for golf golf's becoming more popular majors are around has all the interest about the live stuff right now that makes some sense tiger tiger is one of those guys that i think is okay to put your money into one of the guys i was talking about so i think that's also there hockey also 
been at the forefront um, right at the peak of their championship race here. So it makes sense for that to be. And then the one that I actually still feel pretty good about uh, is racing. Formula yeah. One is basically a net neutral over the last month. Uh, and I would, I would, I honestly would expect that to continue throughout this F1 season because the hype remains there. The international appeal remains there and the scarcity, especially of the 2020 stuff remains there. So I think there are places to put your money in the card market. Um, I just, as you mentioned, like anything else, you're not going to necessarily feel great about putting your money in anything right now, maybe real estate, but there's always, a, there's always uh, <laughs> you know, a chance for that to, to, to fumble as well. So I know it seems bleak and it sounds bleak, but I don't mean to be Mr. Debbie Downer over here, but no matter where you turn right now from an economic standpoint, it seems bleak. Well, and I think that's the hard part from from uh, this podcast perspective, because we're always trying to dissect things from an on-field slash on-court, on-ice, on-track perspective, right? And, and how that might impact the market. But when the market's down as a whole, it's tough to recommend, uh, you know, proper buying slash selling windows when there's just more, mar more macro things in play here, like a, a general market downturn. I think a lot of the things that you hit on in terms of where you should be focusing uh, are, are really sharp. And I think obviously, you know, PSA 10 graded cards, I think will remain uh, and, and have a higher premium, obviously, than raw, raw and, and ungraded stuff or poorly graded stuff, especially in this ultra modern could just get completely wiped uh, as we see people try to chase uh, the bottom. I think even some of this for stars, some of the, the higher pop count stuff for guys that were generally excited to collect, I think that bottom could fall a little bit more with pop counts, you know, low end base stuff for guys, even like Herbert or Burrow or some of those guys that have really, are, are going to start having higher pop counts. Even like Juan, Juan Soto and guys in baseball yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think that the point being here as we take kind of a macro stance on this, on this market is focusing on uh, higher end stuff, graded stuff and stuff that actually has true scarcity to it. Right. Um, so, you know, if, if you don't have the type of budget right now to invest in that type of stuff or, or not feeling super confident in that stuff, I, th I think you can get your hands on it fractionally still uh, as a way to get exposure to it. And I know the fractional market hasn't uh, exactly tailed the physical market uh, in some respects. And sometimes it seems like it lags too far behind and you're never going to catch those returns, even though it feels like it's undervalued on fractional sites like Dibs and Rally and, and Collectible and Otis. But you still have that upside of uh, a collector coming and offering a buyout or, you know, just just finally the fractional market retail investors catching up to what these things should truly be valued at. You know, one that really stood out to me recently was uh, a, a 1948 Leaf Jackie Robinson in a PSA 8, you know, vintage card, got a pop count of 40 with just a few higher uh, a card that, you know, obviously you're not going to see much more anymore in circulation at this point. And Jackie Robinson is is Jackie freaking Robinson, right? There's nothing else to be said at that point. Uh, on Rally has a $310,000 market cap, last sold for $468,000, has a card ladder value of $509,000 right now, right? Like if you want to get a little bit of exposure to that on Rally, it feels like it might be a little bit undervalued uh, on a fractional site like that. So I think keeping your mind open to those opportunities is, is something that's that, that would serve people in this type of, of market, just specific buying opportunities of stuff that is seemingly undervalued. So that's what I was going to transition into next, actually. Um, I think, and fractional is a great place to do this, but as, as bleak as my first preamble of, of this whole conversation sounded, I would be putting my money into cards. The question is the right cards. And I right. actually, I, 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 I legitimately think this is one of the safer places to keep your money if you're doing it in the correct way. So your Jackie Robinson example you just put is a perfect example of that. And I think we can actually get some value here 
looking at trends, let's look at individual player card indexes from card ladder here. My sharing my screen isn't working, but it doesn't matter. Most of you are listening to this on uh, audio. So if you go to, if you go to card indexes, you can go down on card ladder into the players section. Okay. And the base is going to take all the major players, modern and vintage and kind of, kind of give you a monthly outlook uh, of their market. Now, guys like LeBron James and Michael Jordan, you're going to see are down around 10%, like the rest of these market. And that's not surprising. The reason that this is, is because things like the 2003 Topps Chrome Refractor, things like the 1986 Michael Jordan rookie got up so freaking high during the peak or the bubble or whatever you will, that it's going to, it's just going to continue to go down until it reaches a nice plateau of where those cards should be. Um, you know, the refractor LeBron card, for example, I think got up to like $140,000 a year ago and is, is now like a $38,000. Yeah. Right. Okay. And that's probably a more, more safe place for that card to be, um, you know, and so I think that there are obviously some, you know, uh, trends to look at from guys like that. However, guys that are either positive or neutral, I think some, and, or, or down on in like single digits percent, right. Almost every, major vintage baseball player has not taken major hits. So we talk about Mickey Mantle, Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays. Willie Mays is up. Jackie Robinson's up. Mickey Mantle's down 1%. Um, Babe Ruth is down 3%. Hank Aaron's down 3%. These are amazing numbers compared to what you're seeing for guys like Albert Pujols down 20%. Yeah. Uh, you know, Roberto Clemente only down 1%. Um, these are names that are, to me, Ken Griffey's up 4% on his major stuff, right? Derek Jeter's probably going to go up now with the documentary coming out. There's, there's, there's guys to invest in in the baseball side of things, which is really interesting. And it also makes sense because it's the true vintage of all sports cards. Baseball as a whole is on right now. There's, there's interest in it. Baseball from the four major sports indexes is down by far the least amount of between basketball and football, which are down 10%. Baseball's only down 3 So that's a really interesting place to look to put your money, I think, if you can, and especially in fractional. You mentioned the Jackie Robinson side of things. That's really interesting. Um, you can talk, the same thing can be said for basketball. Bill Russell's even. Um, Magic Johnson's about even. You know, Michael Jordan again. I think besides kind of that huge dip on the '86 card, is going to be pretty close to even or up. Uh, so I think you know, finding guys like that makes a ton of sense. And then there's also some outliers with modern F1 for sure. For stopping's up. Lewis is down a little bit, but for stopping's up. George Russell's up. Things like that are going to continue to go up as those cards kind of continue to kind of just even come into the market. There's not many high-graded cards of those kind of things. So I think there, there's places there. And then we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Quarterbacks aren't taking too much of a hit. Josh yeah. Allen's up right now. Joe Burrow's only down 5%, which isn't that bad for what we might think of what he would be taking hit this, this offseason. I think Herbert's only taken a 7% hit over the last month. Compared to what we would think, for these major guys, I don't think it's bad. Tom Brady's obviously a pretty place, safe place for your money. So if you do this correctly, there's places to go. The question is how you do it and if it can it be affordable. Now, if you're trying to get your money completely out of stocks and like you're taking a ton of money out, you can. You could do it. You could go and buy a twenty thousand dollar Tom Brady card and 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 give do it that way. You could buy a fifty thousand dollar Jackie Robinson card and do it that way. And honestly, I don't think it's a terrible a terrible move. Obviously, it's a big life decision. I completely understand that, but I don't think it's a terrible move. It's same, you know, similar to putting your money into gold or, or an alternative asset that might appreciate. The problem is you, there's very small spots within this market that you're going to be able to do that. Besides that, you're going to take a hit like everything else, and that's what that's basically what we're what we're saying here. If you're trying to into bulk or ultra modern, even just regular modern or high pop, you're going to take hits. You're just going to take hits like the rest of the market is. 
I did all, you know, did all it, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like a checklist. And I think you perfectly ran through the checklist of things that you should be looking for at this point. It's it's not just the right player, but the right card of the right player uh, in the right grade with the right amount of scarcity, stuff that is that is truly, truly scarce for the certain players that we're looking to invest in. And you nailed a, a ton of them. I, I have no issue with people wanting to invest right now in Josh Allen, wanting to invest in Joe Burrow, wanting to invest in um, Justin Herbert. I think it just matters about finding the right stuff. And maybe even at this point now with, with dealing with potentially an upcoming recession with inflation, with interest rates and all of this stuff that is potentially impacting alternative forms of investing sports cards being one of them, we're going to have to be really careful about where we do place our money. Um, you know, you, all, all of those vintage baseball players that you mentioned are going to have a market forever. They've had a market forever through, you know, before the pandemic rise, through the pandemic rise, after the rise of the sports cards. Those have remained uh, extremely hot. I think that high end sports cards will uh, remain a safe place to store your money. And, and when there's a, a collecting aspect to this thing where people do truly want to hold on to these assets, it's going to keep the market afloat, although it may not be you know, as liquid as it once was with, uh, you know, some of the some of these higher pop stuff. Another specific card that I wanted to mention on Rally, 1976 Tops Walter Payton rookie card was one that I identified as a buy uh, a while ago. And yeah, it's down 15% since it IPO'd. But this is one where I think if fractional catches up with the true value of this physical card, we could see a little bit of a spike here over the next couple of months or years even. Uh, we saw that this card, uh, when IPO'd, and since since it has IPO'd, has sold a couple of times. Back in October of 2021 for 61 grand, uh, in January of 2022 for 78 grand, all the way up to 114 grand in February of 2022. Still, May 21st, 2022, just three four weeks ago, sold for 96 grand. Uh, so you can grab shares of that exact card in a PSA 10, one of just 53 in existence. Uh, for 50 uh, valued right now on on rally for $55,000, $5.50 a share, right? So maybe there's an investor out there that wants to buy this card from rally outright and submits a bid. Maybe fractional retail investors like myself realize that this is an undervalued asset. You've got a couple of outs there. I think that that is one that specifically sets up as undervalued, but I think there's a consistent theme. We don't talk vintage a lot on no. this show really yeah. at all. Um, but it's but the place you want your money right now. I'm yeah, telling it you, seems like it seems like a good place to put your money right now. Hundred yeah. percent, and and that's always been the case. We've we've been trying to kind of take yeah. your big your big swings, but as far as the safe side of things, vintage has always been the place to to, to keep your money. Um, yeah, Walter Payton, Jim Brown, Jerry Rice. It's the same as those Jackie Robinson, Hank yeah. Aaron, Willie Mays types that we're gonna. It's it's very similar across the board in basketball too. Uh, Kareem and and Bill Russell and those guys will be similar in that sense. So yeah, I mean that all makes a ton of sense to me. Um, I want. I want to. I do want to shift real quick, uh, real quick here, and, and ask a question that I think that a lot of people might be having. Uh, I feel like I was late to the party. I feel like I invested in a lot of stuff before, um, before I had a, a, a great grasp of the hobby and, and where I should be placing my money. I think a lot of people did the same thing. Probably just dove in head first. Figured uh, I'll, I'll figure out after I get my feet wet where I really need to put my money. I've got a lot of stuff that I know is has lost a lot in value. Um, what should people be doing now with stuff that they bought during this pandemic run up, maybe bought it at, at an all time high, has maybe lost 50, 60, 75% of the value since they bought it. What should people be doing with those cards at this point? Is it time to just say, forget it, cut my losses, I can rebalance my portfolio, 
uh, in stuff that that truly has upside, or should we be holding and hoping that maybe there's an uneventual rise down the road? It depends what you put your money into. So I think if you were to one that just kind of lived off the entire hype of this pandemic spike and you were buying base PSA 10s, you know, kind of just slabs, whatever slabs you can get your hand on, I would just basically whenever you're in season or you see a spike game out of a player that you did that, I would just take your, take your losses there. Uh, try to time it the best of your ability and take your losses. I think if you went into you're you're still in the modern side of things, we went to patch auto and refractors. I'd, I'd be holding right now. I'd be holding the same way. I wouldn't be selling off every stock I, I had just cause we're in a little bit of, of a recession. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth, um, you know, selling at the bottom for things that do have some scarcity level. Um, things will rebound. I'm sure of that. I can't give you a window into when, but I think, you know, if it's stuff that we've kind of been telling you now for a year plus that we wouldn't be interested in investing in, or, or we wouldn't be interested in, in putting a lot of money into as far as ultra modern base, um, super high pop stuff, uh, even just like super hype names, things like that. I would be looking to take your outs when you can get them. If it's a basketball player, you probably won't really have that during the offseason. So if you just want to take your outs, take them. Uh, if it's a baseball player, you're going to have some some opportunity here. Baseball is doing okay right now relative to the rest of the market. So I think it's an interesting time to kind of get out of those positions if you want to. Uh, but yeah, anything with scarcity and and even if it's modern, I would be, if you can't afford to, I would still be holding and try to weather the storm personally. Um, I want to take that and and move on to, to you know, two, two positive signs for me. And the reason I'd, I'd be doing that. Um, one is we're still seeing on-field performance indicative of value, even in your even in, in your modern stuff. We talk about Andrew Wiggins from basketball. <laughs> Let's talk about my guy in baseball and the Yankees. We haven't spoken about much about my Yankees. Yeah. Um, but my God, it's the best season they've had in in 60 years or something like that up to this point. We're 31 games over 500 right now, by far the best team in the league. Aaron Judge is on pace for 65 home runs. Um, his stuff, if you look at his card ladder index over the last month, I just had it up here, is up 40%. Wow. Um, by wow. far, the, by far the most I'm seeing of, of this group here, you know, you're seeing the F1 guys up, you're seeing uh, guys like Wiggins up, and then you're seeing guys like Aaron Judge up. So, you know, he, he, what that tells me is two things. One, he was way undervalued. But two, people are saying, wow, this guy is on pace for having an all time great potential year on an all time great or, or a fantastic team. Uh, and it's reflected in the fact that his stuff is skyrocketing up. Now, it's, it's the market correcting itself a little bit, but it's also people wanting to get in on a guy that's showing that he is a level above even what we thought he was. So there will be, you know, that's a good sign to me. That's a really good sign is, is basically all I want to say. Like, I think the signs like just the fact that things like that are still happening mean people are willing to, you know, get in on players that may be undervalued. Yeah. Look, looking through this card ladder index, now that you bring up Judge's name, yeah, up 39.6% uh, monthly change. That's 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 fantastic to see based off of performance. Wiggins up 77.9%. Obviously, we know the story there. But even looking further down, it's crazy to see that you can still find these pockets, uh, even in this down, down market. Uh, Jalen Hurts up 23%. I would imagine a lot of that is off the hype of A.J. Brown and the stuff that they've done in the draft and hoping that he takes – uh, another leap, whether you and believe our, that. And our podcast last week, right? Probably. Exactly. I mean, yeah. we're, we're obviously moving markets with, with our two viewers. So we yeah. appreciate both of you out there for, for going and finding some Jalen uh, Hurts cards to buy. Uh, Josh Allen up 20%, obviously uh, a market mover for us as well. Shout out to us. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's really encouraging to see this as you look down the board for names that you would expect. Mac Jones up 9%, you know, names that you would expect to be moving based off of whether it be hype heading into the season, hype that their team's 
uh, the, the additions that their teams made during the offseason or just guys like Judge or and Andrew Wiggins who are simply performing based off of uh, performing better in the card market based off of on field or on court performance. That's been a big thing that we've talked about. I mean, that's the reason why we started this this podcast was trying to find those pockets of players and cards that we can identify that that will move based off of some on-court performance that we think is predictive and that we think that we're better than the market at predicting. So uh, seeing that is seeing that is awesome. I'm happy. I, I can say and report that I'm happy for Aaron Judge and your New York Yankees that his card market is hot right now. Me too. And and then and that this that'll bring me into my to my last overall point, which is we spoke about what to do with your money. You know, should we be panicking? Where where should we turn? Whatever. Let's talk about buying dips. Let's talk about off-season buying. Let's talk about going into the dog days of summer. If you do, if you're lucky enough to be in an okay spot financially and you're interested in in, in spending some money, let's talk about what makes sense to do. Um, I we just talked about vintage. I think wherever you can kind of put your money into that, it's a it's a pretty good place to be right now. It's kind of like investing in your gold, if you will, during a dip. I think it's really safe, really really strong place to be. Um, let's talk about modern though, and ultra modern. There are opportunities here, I think, during this offseason, especially let's talk basketball. I mean, you know, let's go a month, two months down the line. We're past the craziness of free agency. And we should talk, by the way, I, real quick as, uh, aside, we're going to be off for three weeks. Um, you'll get probably about two weeks by the time you hear this episode, uh, but we'll be off about two and a half weeks. By the time we're back, NBA draft will have happened. NBA free agency will be pretty much most most big stuff should have already happened. We, we talked about those kind of things as they come. There will be opportunities for you guys. They're selling opportunities as a big name gets moved, whatever. Just, you know, you, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know how to handle those situations. So yeah. I think just, just keep that in mind. But I think things that, you know, just keep an eye out for weird auctions that are happening in the offseason during a dip, during, um, you know, an offseason that there'll be, there'll be opportunities for you to pick up some colored refractors, things like that, that I think of the top 15, 20 guys in the league, I have no problem buying the dip on and let's hope by the time next basketball season rolls back around the economy is in a healthier place and either your investment will be looking good if you're looking for a long term or you'd be able to kind of take some profits because you bought the dip so i think there are opportunities like that i think even as far up to as the lamello anthony edwards guys i'm not going to advocate buying super ultra modern stuff but if you can get like out of 99s psa 10s things yeah. like that uh i don't mind it because i think by the time our basketball finally rolls back around let's hope in october um Let's really hope the economy is in a better spot. And even if it's not, there's going to be enough hype just kind of with basketball coming back. You should be able to, my hope would be, at least make your money back if that's where you need to go. So I think that's the perfect thesis and, and the perfect spot to wrap up this podcast on. Just just keeping an eye on. I mean, that's it sounds so simple, and I think we just gloss over that point. Save the searches of players that you know you want to invest in or cards that you want to invest in, and you'll get notified by eBay if you so choose. And then you can just keep an eye on those auctions. Favorite them. You'll get the notification that, you know, when the, when the auction's about to end in 24 hours and 14 minutes. However, you so choose to keep an eye on those things. You can do it on your uh, on your computer, on mobile. But you will catch times. And I know, Gary, you've been really successful at this, too. You will catch times where auctions in 10, 15, 20 percent below comps just because of randomness. Right. And not even just because of a down market. So I think that's an extremely good point. Something that I've been uh, lazy doing lately uh, is favoriting cards that I'm interested in. I know I've probably missed out on a few uh, buying windows myself too. So I uh, appreciate you reiterating that point. Anything else we need to mention before we leave the people for what's going to be about two or three weeks? No, but just again, F1, vintage, super low pop. I think those are good places to be right now. I love that we are, our calls on the niche markets have, have paid off, uh, especially F1. That was an extremely sharp call by you. 
uh, and obvious, just so obvious now in hindsight that that market was going to take off with international, uh, with with the Drive to Survive series, with the American hype now. That's that's only going to continue. I can only imagine that that market keeps going up. Yeah, and obviously I have a lot of just everyday action in that market, and I've seen that even throughout the hype, uh, even throughout this the economic dip, uh, the hype has remained there pretty much completely. I have no problem selling F1 cards when I want to. I have offers on big F1 cards. Um, I can't really buy F1 cards I'm interested in at, at any major dips. So yeah, the 2020 stuff, I'm way more interested than the 2021, but pretty safe place to, to be, I, I would say. And we have also, we're only eight races into the season. So you have a while more of, of the active season for F1. This was uh, this was ended up being a lot more positive than I was anticipating with talking about a market that uh, we're seeing stocks, crypto, NFTs, everything seemingly down. So I feel like we, we found some pockets uh, here and there where we can we can be putting our money. I'm excited for you to get back uh, because we will be back with a BBM three draft. We did a BBM two draft and tried to talk through the NFL card market the best we could as we had a 30 second clock uh, and try to navigate a, a draft while discussing player card markets, but we didn't win a million dollars last year just so we could win 2 million That's this right. year and split it. Uh, I hope we can do that, friend. Have fun on your trip. We will see you again in three weeks. Thanks, man. And uh, happy Father's Day to you coming up. By the time people listen to this, it probably already been Father's Day, but all the fathers out there, happy Father's Day to them. Enjoy the beginning of everyone's summer. We'll see you in mid-July. Take care, everybody.